Good day to you, fine people of God. I'm Pastor Cole McClendon coming to you from Central Assembly of God, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today. My hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in. Be blessed. In this place and it is my honor to be able to uh, share the word with you today and um, we were speaking in the in the 9 a.m. service uh, and um, I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling a, a different a different uh, direction here I'm going to preach on the same thing but um, I'm going to kind of do it in reverse and what we're going to speak about uh, is one touch I'm going to talk under the theme, one touch. Amen. How many of you know that there's power in a touch? There is power in a touch. And it's, it goes so much more than, than just singing, oh, he touched me, yes, he touched me. No, it's about the actual action that you can know that there is an effort that has to take place for, for, you, for you to receive from God. It's, it's he's intentional with what you need him to do in your life. Can you say amen? amen. So we wanna, I want to preach to you, and I want to use the text in uh, Luke chapter 8. Praise the Lord. Luke chapter 8, verse 43. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 8, verse 43. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Bible says, now a woman having a flow. This is the New King James Version. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all of her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any came from behind and touched the border of his garment, and immediately, somebody say immediately, immediately, her flow of blood stopped. Immediately her flow of blood stopped. Next verse. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitude strong and press you, and you say, who touched me? And Jesus said, somebody touched me because I have perceived power going out from me. Now when the woman saw that she was no longer hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, she declared to him in the presence of all the people, the reason why she touched him and how she was healed immediately. And Jesus said to her daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. One touch. One touch. You know, when we look at what drove this woman to take such an extreme action, when you analyze what 
the Gospels say about this woman. And remember, one of these disciples that is writing, the one we read in particularly Luke, is a, was a physician. So when he's writing, he has an understanding of the miracle because he has maybe a better understanding of the condition. No one will ever understand your gratefulness until they understand what God did in your life. Which is why you need not worry about people who misunderstand or understand you, whether or not they do or don't. Just worry, just rejoice in the fact that you know the magnitude of the work that God has done in your life. A lot of times we get caught up and we want to keep it hidden because we're not, we're not too sure how people are going to accept it, how people are going to receive it, how people are going to perceive the work that God has done in my life. It's just like the woman who washed Jesus' feet with the only thing that she had, the most expensive, the most precious thing that she had was the perfume in that alabaster box. She washes Jesus' feet. She pours it over his head, and she was criticized for it. She didn't care about the criticism. She wasn't invited to the house. She wasn't invited to the party. She wasn't supposed to be there, let alone... Uh, uh, let alone expect uh, a good reaction from the people in her surroundings. Yet she did what she did because she knew that the action was between her and Christ. You need to get to a place where you're able to block out all of the outside noise and everything that you do for God, you're doing it for God. You're doing it in service and in worship to Jesus. No matter what people say, no matter if they criticize you or don't criticize you, no matter if they recognize you or don't recognize you, what is that one step that I still need to take what is that one step that I still need to take to see a prolonged struggle immediately come to an end? To see a prolonged affliction immediately come to an end. That struggle, that affliction, it could be mental, it could be emotional, it could be financial, it could be related to your family, it could be related to a, a relationship that you had, it could be related to your past and your upbringing. But God is waiting for you to do that one thing, to allow yourself to get to that place where desperation and frustration and depression and anxiety, all of these things that uh, in, in, impressively intelligent people study on a daily basis, all of these things that impressively, impressive people study on a daily basis, the, the, the way the mind works and, and the levels, the chemical levels in different parts of the brain and how they affect behavior and the ways that they affect behavior, all of that is real. The science of it, behind it is real. But it doesn't matter what the condition of the mind could be. It doesn't matter the brain function. 
that is operating or not operating. When God decides that in your life he is going to change it, he is going to turn it around, he is going to trans. There is no condition that can keep God from doing a work in your life. But you have to allow the condition not to push you away from God. See, what's so impressive and so powerful about this woman is that she allowed the condition to push her as far away as it could when she decided, I can't do this anymore. Have you ever been in a situation where you have tried everything? Were you done, were you done, try, maybe you had a family member who was in a situation, who was in addiction, or who was, go, who was battling something, and you guys tried everything, doctors and counseling and this and that and medication, or you had a financial issue and you tried every which way to resolve it, and you just couldn't get there. You couldn't make it there. You couldn't get to the solution. That's not a good feeling to be in. That's not a good feeling to go through. When you have no control, when you don't know what the next step is. And it is it's precisely in these types of situations that the enemy thrives. Satan thrives. He thrives on taking that uncertainty, on taking that fatigue, that mental and emotional fatigue. Because when you're trying to solve a serious problem in your life, it drains you. It takes away your focus. It takes away your concentration. It takes away your ability to critically think and make decisions. And then you become snappy. Then you take it out on your kids, you take it out on your spouse, you take it out on your co-worker. Why is that person why is that person talking to me like that? It's not because you don't like the person. It's not because you're a bad person. It's because your situation is draining you. It's a flow of life coming out of you. It's sucking the life out of you. And it's going to begin to, uh, to express itself in how you speak and how you think and how you make decisions. The enemy is an expert at doing that. He is an expert at doing that. That is why you need to surround yourself with spiritual people. That is why you need to surround yourself with people who are filled with discernment and filled with Holy Spirit and filled with the ability to understand that people aren't bad because they simply want to be. There's something behind it. There is a root cause. And we are the church. We have been given gifts, like Pastor Nicole was saying. The Holy Ghost spills gifts into you so that you can deal with any kind of situation. The Apostle John writes and says, but ye have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And you know all things. The anointing is what allows you to be able to be, uh, to be equipped, to be prepared to deal with any situation. So when you're in a situation that you, you're struggling to find a solution, this is, this is where this woman was. She 
the Bible says she, she wasted her livelihood. She took all of her resources. And we're going to get into her history. This woman had some, she had some money. This woman had, she was, she was like this. If she was, if she was living today, you know, they would be wanting to tax her. You know what I'm saying? Tax the rich, you know. So she, she had money. And she, for 12 long years, for 12 years, she had a medical condition that was requiring her, that was requiring her to stay away from people. It was requiring her to stay away from people. She couldn't touch nobody. She couldn't be around nobody. Imagine if this whole madness with COVID would last 12 years. 12 years of social distancing, 12 years of, of quarantining. You know, my daughter, she, 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 Jayla, she, I had to pick her up the other day from school because on Wednesday in school, she might have been in the presence of somebody who has symptoms of COVID. Somebody who has symptoms might have been in the presence of my daughter. So I had to pick her up, and now she has to quarantine for 10 days. So I'm saying, well, wait a second. From Wednesday to Friday when I picked her up, uh, we was in the car together. She was in the car with my other daughter, with my other daughter, with my son, with my wife. With... So why don't any of them have to quarantine? So why? Because here's the thing. If we would have to continue this for 12 years, if we would have to continue this for 12 years, people won't stand for it. People would take action. People would take action. What's happening in Australia, people are taking action because it's overreach. It's too much. But Satan doesn't care about it being too much. He will push you to the brink and then push you even more. He will take whatever he can take, destroy whatever he can destroy. He will kill whatever he can kill. He will beat you down and leave you buried if you let him. There is no limit to his attack. He will keep going and keep going and keep going, which is what he did with this woman. She tried everywhere. There was not one door that was open. There was not one time where she got good news. There was not one time where a physician actually spoke to her and gave her some hope. No, she was hopeless. She was helpless. And she had no one. She was hopeless, helpless, and didn't have anybody. So imagine... Imagine this woman, she had to have been depressed. She was alone, she was quarantining, she, was, she had to distance herself, and nothing was working. Nobody cared. Nobody cared about this woman. And this is what I love about when Jesus would do a miracle, and, and we see it in the Gospels, is that they would write and say, and she heard. How do you know what she heard? 
How do you know what she heard? She had to have. She had to have heard because it's the only thing that people were saying. The only people that didn't want, didn't want to praise Jesus for what he was doing on the streets was the religious system, was the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They didn't want no part of promoting Jesus. Because when someone comes along with the real solution, and the solution is precisely to the problem that you are enabling, you want no part of praising the person that came with the solution. So people, by the thousands, would follow Jesus and they would tell each other, we're following Jesus, the one who heals. We're following Jesus, the one who uh, gives the blind their sight. We're following Jesus, the one who gives the deaf and the mute the ability to hear and talk. We're following Jesus, the one who rose Lazarus from the dead. We're following. And it began to be divulged through the entire region. So people with need. They weren't coming to a church. They weren't coming to hear a message. They, weren't, they were following the one who everybody else was saying can heal the sick. So this woman, she hears about Jesus and she makes a decision. But the decision that she makes is so, is so distinct that I want to I break it down. Because... When she arrives to Jesus, she says to herself, she says to herself, if only she has a plan. She has a plan. You have to understand that a plan, a plan is what starts the process of your miracle. A, a plan. Why? Because it was a plan that put you in the condition that you're in. It was a plan that put you in depression. It was a plan of the enemy that came and, and manifested itself against your family. So she had a plan because she had a plan for everything else. She planned to visit doctors. She planned how much money she was going to spend to try to get healed. She planned. So she planned her entire a process of receiving healing. So now she is planning on how she's going to approach Jesus. Which means that it was intentional. Which means that she did it with a purpose. Which means that she got tired of living the way she was living. Which means that she made a choice. She made a decision. This is not going to kill me. This is not going to define me. This is not what I'm going to leave behind. Yeah, I have tried everything. Yeah, I have spent money. Yeah, the doctors won't do nothing. Yeah, people have left me behind. Yeah, I don't have any friends. But this is what I'm going to do now. Somebody needs to stand up in their life right now and say, I know I've made mistakes. I know I've tried the wrong things. I know I've been around the wrong people. I know I'm in a bind right now. But this is what I'm going to do now. This is the decision I'm going to make right now. And it involves Jesus. It involves Jesus. It was an intentional decision. She made it with a purpose, with a plan.
And she says, if only I can touch, not him, not him. See, because she's still thinking about the condition. She, she's still being faithful to the law. I don't want to touch nobody because I'm unclean. But I, I don't need to touch him. If I could just touch the hem of his garment. She knew who Jesus was. She knew the power he carried. She knew that he was the real deal. There was no doubt that she knew who she was approaching. So she's like, you know what? The only thing I need. Yeah, I know I can't touch him. See, because her plan had rules. Her plan had rules. I know I can't touch him. And I know I can't let nobody see me here. I can't let no one see me here. And I can't touch his body. You see, normal people would allow those circumstances to keep them away from the encounter entirely. I don't know what to wear to church, so I'm not going. You know, normal, normal people, people that aren't operating in faith will let whatever rule or, or situation keep them from the encounter that they know is going to change their lives. So she is planning, she has rules, but she wasn't going to allow those rules to keep her away. Now, here's the thing, and we're going to get into this. This woman wasn't even Jewish, so the law didn't apply to her, and she is still, she is still allowing herself, a Gentile, to be manipulated by the religious system of that time. Which is why we must be very careful. You know what? It's not even a problem in this church. So I'm not even going to speak on it. But in general, a, re a religious system is designed to control people. It's designed to control people and has no interest in whether or not they have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Has no interest in whether or not they have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So she's a Gentile and she is bound by the Jewish law of the time. And she's still planning to touch just the hem of Jesus' garment. She has to stay hidden. She approaches Jesus among the multitude and Jesus, Jesus wasn't, Jesus knew she was coming, but he was on his way to heal somebody else. He was on his way to heal somebody else, but he knew she was coming. And he knew where she was coming from. And he knew what she was going through. And it didn't matter that he was going somewhere else. It didn't matter that there was a multitude. He knew that he had to be exactly where he was 
at the time he was there for this woman to be healed. So she touches the hem of his garment. Come here, Albert. I want to ask you a question. I want you to put this on. Y'all know what this is, right? All right. So this is how, this, this is me watching Passing of the Christ. I think this is how they wore it. I don't know. It could be different. <laughs> So, Albert, can I ask you a question? Do you feel this? No, no, no. Just, can you feel this? You can't feel this. He can't feel this, folks. This is what she touched. But he can't feel it. So how is she touching a piece of his clothing, the outermost I can understand a tug. You can feel a tug. You know, you can feel if I grab it. But she touched the hem. The part that physically he can't feel, but yet he says, who touched me? People were touching him from the moment he stepped out of the boat. But when she comes and doesn't touch him, but touches his garment, he says, who touched me? Hallelujah. He says, who touched me? Peter says, uh, what are you talking about? There's a hundred people touching you right now. No, 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 no. Somebody touched me because I felt power come out of me. Somebody touched me. And has received a miracle. Somebody touched me and has been made whole. Somebody touched me and had a condition that immediately was healed. Who touched me? She didn't touch him. She touched his garment. She didn't even touch him. Why? Because a lot of you are waiting for God to touch you. To change the situation that has been way overdue for a miracle. And you're waiting for God to touch you. And you praise God for God to touch you. And you fast and you pray for God to touch you. And, you, and, you're, and you're diligently believing that God is going to touch you. When all along, God is waiting for you to reach out and touch him. But here's the thing, for you to touch God, there's something that has to exist. Something would have had to, something would have had to risen in your life. Thank you, Albert. You can, you can take the mantle off now. So, see, desperation and anxiety and, and feeling hopeless and frustration and all of those feelings that she had was what pushed her faith forward. You see, the enemy, like I said before, he wants to use these things to push you further from God. But faith allows those things to be, to push it so that it can grow and be the very thing that gets you closer to God. And be the very thing that puts you in the place where the miracle can happen. So, I need to let all of these 
All of these things that are prolonged in my life, all of this frustration, all of this stress, and all of this stuff that's going on around me, I need to, I need to let it push me forward. See, because faith, faith takes control away from the enemy. Doubt will give him control. But faith takes control from the enemy and it gives the control to God. It's that simple. It takes it from the end when you're doubting, when you're uncertain, and when you're living your life according to how you feel you need to live it. According how you, because you're more confident in your decision making than in God's miracle doing. You're more confident in your plan. You're more confident in what you have going on than in what God can do with you and through you. If you would just surrender. So doubt settles in and it gives the enemy control. So she, she took all of those feelings. She took all of that frustration. She took everything that she, everything she had stacked against her. What did she have stacked against her, Robert? Where was this woman from? First of all, uh, I want to... I want to share with you um, where this woman was from. And I can't even tell you what her name was, Miriam. Have you ever heard what her name was? The, the, the Gospels don't tell us what her name was. But the primitive church, so impressed and so impacted by what this lady did, okay? The primitive church found out what her name was. Her name was Veronica. Are there any Veronicas in the house? No Veronicas in the house? Say, hey, if your name is Veronica. No, no Veronicas in the house. Okay. Or as us Puerto Ricans would say, Veronica. So her name was Veronica. And you know where she was from? She was from Caesarea Philippi. How many have heard that name? How many have been there? Amen. Trudy's been there. Okay. Caesarea of Philippi. And here's five minutes. Caesarea of Philippi is where this woman is from. And Caesarea of Philippi was a Greco-Roman city. And this city was known for its pagan worship. This city was known for its worship to the Greek god Pan. And Pan was the god of goats. He was the goat god. Not the greatest of all time. The goat god. The animal. So Pan is the goat god. And Josephus records that in this city of Caesarea of Philippi, there was a cave. And the cave led to a precipice that was so deep and so dark that they couldn't, they, they couldn't measure how deep. They couldn't see where the, where the bottom of this precipice was. And it is believed that this cave was the entrance to the underworld. So Caesarea of Philippi was known as a pagan city. 
It was known to have the it was known to have the cave that they believed was the entrance to the underworld. And it was a city that compared to today, its sin was worse than Las Vegas. Praise the Lord. It was such a sinful, sexually immoral, idolatric, and pantheistic city that the rabbis forbade good Jews from going there. So we're literally talking about Satan's turf. We're literally talking about this woman being from Satan's turf. She is from the land where Satan rules. So for any of you who have studied or have come across or have even, even it's, it's been in the news, the, the satanic church's symbol of Lucifer is a goat with horns, the legs of a man. I'm not going to say his name because his name has no worthiness here. But that's the satanic church. That's Lucifer, a goat. Caesarea of Philippi's God was a goat. They, the, the cave where the entrance to the underworld was, was there. So we're literally talking about Satan's territory. This woman was from Satan's territory. Her situation, it was as much spiritual as it was physical. And the reason why she couldn't find the resources to help her, neither spiritually or physically, was because in Satan's turf and on Satan's terms, you will never find joy. You will never find peace. You will never find that open door that you need for your condition to change for the better. There will never be hope if you left it up to Satan. There will never be opportunity of of. Being, of being restored. No, everything that Satan wants to do with mankind is destruction. So this is why it's important to know where this woman came from. Because when we understand that we are the church, if this woman coming from literally Satan's turf was able to draw faith, being literally surrounded, surrounded by worldly immorality, surrounded by worldly immorality, she was able, she was able to muster up some faith. What she was hearing was enough. She wasn't raised in it. She wasn't taught it as a child. What she was hearing, the word that she heard was enough to stir up some faith. Enough faith that she said, I don't need him to touch me, praise the Lord. I don't need him to pray for me. I don't even need him to speak to me. The only thing I need to do is touch him and I know that I will be healed. Nothing can keep you from stirring up that same kind of faith. God needs you to stir up that same kind of faith because there are some of you here that it feels like this particular moment of your life is like a snowball. 
It keeps rolling and getting bigger. It keeps coming and it get, getting harder and getting more difficult. But God is telling you today, if you would stir up some faith in you and just reach out and touch me with your faith. How do I touch him with my faith? You touch him with your faith with declaration. With declaration. When you're able to declare if only, if only I go to church and lift my hands, if only I surrender, if only I come to the altar, if only I would be in the presence of God, I know that this depression will flee from me. I know that this frustration will leave me alone. I know that this financial situation isn't going to keep me down, isn't going to keep me out. What I love about what the Greek says, I love what the Greek says about how she touched. The, the Greek word for, for touch is haptomai, and it means literally to cling to. It wasn't a casual touch. It wasn't a... She wasn't playing tag with Jesus. She clung to Jesus. She humbled herself and clung to Jesus, knowing that it was the only thing that she had to do to receive her miracle. Praise the Lord. Having all of those immoral, sinful, worldly things to cling to. She was already clung to them. I'm pretty sure she tried every every worldly avenue but when it came time to make the decision to involve Jesus her faith was enough and God is telling you today your faith is enough your faith is enough all you need to do is declare it. If only I believe, I know God will do it in my life. If only I believe that this situation, God can change it. He will change it. Because even though it might be impossible for you, your faith is going to repeatedly, repeatedly let you know that it is possible for God. The other detail about Caesarea of Philippi that I want you to know is we know what history is telling us, right? That the gates of hell were literally right there. There was a cave. There was an entrance. It was dark. There was probably smoke coming out of it. Is it bad that I want to go there now? Is it bad that I want to kind of go there and kind of like, I'm just a tourist. So remember what, Matt, what, remember what it says in Matthew chapter 16. Go ahead, Maria, cue it up. Matthew chapter 16 shows us a very interesting connection to where this woman is from. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am. Try to say that quickly like three times. So they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But Jesus said to them, who do you say that I am? He wanted to know 
who the disciples said he was. See, Jesus was trying to elicit a declaration because he couldn't do it himself. He needed someone to declare who he was. My question is, why didn't he do this in Jerusalem? Because he wasn't interested in challenging the religious system of the time. He was interested in challenging and letting the devil know, letting the unseen realm know that he was here and that their reign was over. You see, the things that go unseen, the spiritual realm, that the Apostle Paul has told us time and time again that we are wrestling in. Your wrestle is not against flesh and blood. It is against principalities. It is against an atmosphere that is unseen. And you have the power to change your atmosphere. Yes, you. You carry an anointing. You carry a presence. You carry the Spirit of God. You carry a power that when you enter a room and the atmosphere is heavy, you have the power to change that atmosphere atmosphere so Jesus says but who do you say that I am and Peter big mouth Peter says you are the Christ you are the Messiah the son of the living God Jesus answered blessed are you Simon for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that on this rock I will build my church and the gate of Hades. Jesus could have used any phrase here. He could have said, and the kingdom of darkness. He could have said, and the God of this age. He could have said a whole bunch of things to describe the kingdom of the, of the devil. But he chooses to say, and the gate of Hades will not prevail against the church. He's saying it. And while he's saying it, the disciples are looking at him. He's saying the gates of Hades will not prevail against my church. And the disciples are literally looking at what they believe was the gates of Hades. You see this cave? Everybody's afraid of this cave. I don't care what the Greeks teach you about this cave. I don't care what's in, what you think is in that cave. What I want you to know is that you're my church. The only thing you need to worry about is that you are the church. The only thing that should matter to you is that you are the church. And the gates of Hades, that cave, the gates of Hades will not prevail against you. The devil already knows that he has lost. The devil lost with the woman of the issue of blood. The devil lost with Jairus' daughter. And he's going to lose with you. You know why? Because you are the church. There is something about you. There is something about you that has caught God's eye. God has an interest in you. God wants to lift you up. God wants to use you. God wants to fill you. God wants to send you. But you might be in a prolonged struggle. 
that he's telling you today, you don't even, you don't even need me to touch you. Oh, my goodness. You don't even need me to touch you. All you need is faith. Because your faith is you reaching out and saying, I just need to touch the hem of your garment. Remember that woman who Jesus said, well, the bread is for the children. She says, and he says, and it's not proper to give the bread of the children to the dogs. In response to her asking him to rebuke a demon, to cast out a demon that was in her son. Another Gentile woman. And this woman says, yeah, that's true. But you know what? Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the table. See, that's you reaching out. You, it doesn't have to be pretty. You don't have to have a suit on. It doesn't have to be a crusade or a revival or a big name evangelist. It just, it, you just need you and your faith. Hallelujah. That problem with your children just needs you and your faith. Because when you walk into the room, hallelujah, when you walk in, into the situation with faith, now the atmosphere changes. Now the devil knows he has a problem. He's been trying to drain your faith. And all of his attacks have gone towards taking your faith and, and trampling on it and, and eliminating your faith from the equation. So when you show up with faith, oh my goodness, when you show up with faith, it's easy to praise God. When you show up with faith, it's easy to say yes to God. When you show up with faith, it's easy to call the things that aren't seen yet like if you already saw them. When you show up with faith, faith you can do what this woman did and cause power cause power cause power I'm tired of trying to deal with the issues of our society with psychology politics and programs programs are awesome uh, analysis is awesome. Data is good. Knowing where the problems are. But you know what? We're living in a time where man has screwed everything up. Man has screwed everything up, has messed everything up. There, you, you can't point me to a government that isn't screwed up. You can't point me to a political system that isn't screwed up. You can't point me to a country that doesn't have some kind of uh, unseen and hidden corruption. And every now and then the corruption comes out to light and somebody comes and sweeps it under the rug. You cannot put your faith in man. And if that's where it has been the last two years, you no wonder you're going through what you're going through in your heart and what you're going through in your spirit and what you're going through in your mind. It's time to understand that I need to fix my eyes on Jesus. I need to fix my eyes on Jesus. 
I need to fix my eyes on you. So this morning, this afternoon, I ask you, what is keeping you, what is keeping you from that one touch? What is keeping me from touching Jesus with my faith? That's all he's telling you. Can you believe, can you believe that after all that time that you were trying to get it solved on your own, the only thing you needed to do was encounter Jesus one time. <laughs> only one time. Stand to your feet with me today. Blessed be the name of Close your eyes. Come on, just lift your hands. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your word. I thank you for every single person in this room that has received it. I pray right now, God, that faith would rise in this place. I pray right now, God, that your spirit would move in every heart, would move in every situation, would move in everybody. Lord, in Jesus' name, we reach out to you today. We reach out to you with our faith. We reach out to you, God, understanding that you're the only one who can change it. You're the only one who can solve it. You're the only one who can make it go away. You're the only one who can make us whole again. You're the only one who can lift us up from brokenness. You're the only one who can restore. So Jesus, right now, I just declare that people receive us receive their miracle right now in Jesus name father what the enemy has tried to do in the marriages of this house what the enemy has tried to do in breaking relationships what the enemy has tried to do these last two years and trying to creep the minds and sow doubt and have doubt just give them control father we declare right now that we are your church and that the plan of the devil will not prevail against your church I declare victory in this house I declare victory in this house in Jesus mighty name and the church says amen right there where you stand I want to make an altar call very briefly and I want to ask if there is anybody in this place should you be in this place and you either have to Make the decision to come back to Jesus or you've never known Jesus. You've never known Jesus. You've never had a relationship with Jesus. And you want to start one right now. Right now. You're the reason why we're all here today. We're all here worshiping a king who saves souls. So if you are here and you want to start that relationship, would you just raise your hand? Just raise your hand right where you stand. Another moment. Praise the Lord. Brother, would you be so kind as to come on up here? Come on, give him a hand. This is why we're here. We 
are here to take people out of Satan's turf. Praise the Lord. Because that is the authority we've been given. So I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer with me. Father, I come before you recognizing that I'm a sinner and recognizing that Jesus' blood can wash me clean. So forgive me for my sins. Write my name in the book of life and allow me to start a relationship with you. Bless me, Lord, and allow me to be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I pray for your child right now, Lord. Whatever he's going through, whatever his trajectory has been, whatever the devil has tried to do in his life, God, you undo it right now in Jesus' name. I declare your spirit fills him right now. I declare your Holy Ghost comes upon him right now. You make him an instrument of power. You use these hands for your glory in Jesus' mighty name right now. I declare the fire of God in his life in Jesus' name. Come on, give God some praise. Hallelujah. Blessed is the name of Jesus. Come on. Anybody else want to give their life to the Lord? Praise the Lord. Praise God. Father, I thank you for your presence. And I thank you that we all leave as changers of atmospheres. So I declare, Lord, that every atmosphere that we are exposed to, God, if it is not an atmosphere of freedom and an atmosphere of love and an atmosphere, Lord God, where you are present, I declare, Lord, that we experience changes in atmosphere, Lord. Lord, I declare every household, Lord, that the atmosphere of our household is your presence. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on, give God a hand. God bless you. God keep you. Amen. Praise the Lord. I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us either at our website www.centralfamily.net or perhaps give us a call at 610-865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here and taking the gospel, not only to the Lehigh Valley, but around the world. We want to do our part in reaching the people that God has entrusted to us with the gospel of Jesus Christ, you can help us with your financial gift or sowing a seed to this ministry. God bless you. Have an amazing day. Remember, you can reach us and give through www.centralfamily.net.